Welcome to episode 12, my conversation with Reverend Joe from Fayetteville, North Carolina. This is the Straight Up Gay Podcast. Good morning and welcome to the show. I'm Major, your host for the Straight Up Gay Podcast, where I have conversations with people about their experiences related to the LGBTQ community. This podcast is dedicated to learning more about the LGBTQ people by having personal conversations and sharing their experiences. Keep in mind, this show is free of cursing, but we may have conversations about human sexuality and topics related to sex and gender that may result in awkward questions from young children. If you're not prepared to answer those questions, turn back now. Today is February 25th, 2017, and I'm speaking with Reverend Joe. Now, Reverend Joe is a reverend. She lives in Fayetteville, North Carolina. She's the reverend... Sorry, hold on. Reverend Joe is in Fayetteville, North Carolina. She's a reverend of a non-denominational church. She co-pastors with another pastor. Uh, She is a lesbian. Um, She currently has a girlfriend and a mom of three and nine grandchildren. Welcome to the show, Reverend Joe. How are you doing? Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty good this morning. Thank you. We had a little, we had to push up our schedules a little bit, but uh, I hope I didn't wake you up too early to get this show done. But uh, we're up bright and early and we got the show started and everything's good so far. Everything is great. I've got my coffee. I'm good. There we go. (laughs) All you need is a little coffee in the morning, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so as I've said on some of the previous episodes, some of my questions in my pre-interview form got deleted, so I don't have much for my guests from the original pre-interview form, so we're just going to have to do our best to make it a full hour and maybe riff it a little bit. Would you please just go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself? I kind of gave a brief overview of who you are and, and what you do. Go ahead and fill in some of the details for the audience about church or about what you do, about where you are as an LGBT person, as a lesbian. Fill us in a little bit. Okay. Well, um, as you said, I co-pastor a church with another pastor. Um, we're here in Fedville, North Carolina. In fact, we're in downtown Fedville. Our church is open to everyone. Of course, both he and I being of the LGBT community, we have a lot of members who are um, LGBT, but we also have members who are of the straight sex as well. We don't close the doors for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. As you said, I do have a girlfriend. Uh, We've been engaged for almost eight years now. Everyone wants to know when we're getting married, including my mother. (laughs) We're, We're just not in that big of a rush. You know, it's worked so far. Why, why, why mess it up? Sure, you got you got a winning formula. <laughs> Let's leave it like it is until you need exactly. to change it. Right there, you go. Fair enough. Um, and yes, I, I do have three children. Of course, um, you know, the first part of my life, I lived it the way society um, expected me to live it until I woke up one day and said, "No, I think I need to live my life the way I need to live it." But I've got three beautiful children, grown, married, and now with children of their own. All right. Well, so normally when I start out the show, I ask people to tell us about their first experience at which they identified as an LGBT person, whatever that identity is. I'm not really sure that I could say that I identified as a lesbian when I was five years old, but um, I knew that I, I had a major crush on my best friend and I wanted to play house, but I always wanted to be daddy. I think that it wasn't so much that I, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not what our society, my society would consider a butch lesbian. I'm more of a lipstick lesbian. Lesbian. I, I could only identify with what I knew. And I knew that you had moms and dads. And so I had to play 
which whatever that role would be in yeah. and playing with my friend I was dad it wasn't until I was a teenager that I understood that I was gay and that that was not supposed to be a good thing and so before we get there I man I really so to me, uh, the more interesting part of this story, we will cover some more about how you discovered you were a lesbian and stuff, but I, it, it blew me away when my friend who connected us told me that you were the reverend of a church and that you were mm-hmm. a lesbian. And so I just recently had a conversation with someone in my van pool about how to reconcile what the Bible says, because I've read the Bible and I know what it says about gay people or homosexuals or, or whatever the term is that they want to use um, relating right. to that in the Bible. And so it, it, I was shocked that a LGBT person would be leading a church when the Bible says what it says. And so many other Christians use that as a means for justifying, excluding LGBT people or, you know, clobbering them with the Bible and such like that. And so that's really, I want to start there. So (laughs) we're jumping, we're jumping forward in time a little bit, but to me, it just seems like um, those ideas are diametrically opposed in that they don't come together. So how did you make that? And happen? you would think you would think that you really would. Um, but they don't. Not really. Um, at some point, like most ministers, I um, I felt a calling to be a minister. And at the same time, I, I, I was going through that. But the Bible says and so there's no way that I can be a minister and still be true to who I am. But then I, I uh, have an awesome mentor. He still is my mentor. He's a wonderful friend. He's also a reverend. And when I went to him and told him that I wanted to become a minister, I had lots of questions as far as um, being a part of the LGBT community and still being able to be a pastor. The one thing, um, and in fact, I even told this in, in church last last Sunday, the one thing that I loved most about him was that he doesn't allow you to take the Bible at face value or even just one version of the Bible. So I have six different Bibles at home. I've got, of course, you know, NIV. Um, The only thing I don't have is a King James version. I have that on my iPad, but I also have the Hebrew Bible. And what a lot of people don't realize, and it's because they don't do research themselves. And what upsets me with other pastors is the word homosexual was not even placed into the Bible. Bible until the 1940s. If you go, if you go back to the Hebrew Bibles, they did not refer to people as homosexuals. And the different parts of the Bible that speaks of homosexuality, you have to remember what context it was placed in at that time. Now, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that God abhors homosexuality or he doesn't. I'll be quite honest with you. He himself says no one knows the mind of God. So I can't say whether he agrees or does or disagrees. I can only say that only God can create. Everyone seems to agree with this one. Only God creates. We know Satan does not create. Satan cannot create. I was created by God. I was created to be exactly who I am. He didn't make me be any differently. If God wanted me to be straight, I would have been born straight. So you wouldn't consider the Bible or any one version of the Bible the literal translation of the Word of God? No, I I definitely don't. I mean, the Bible has been translated so many different times by so many different people, and there's so many things that have been left out or put into the Bible. Like I said, the word homosexuality was placed into the Bible. And when you even get to the very end, it says, do not add any more or take anything away. And yet 
That's exactly what we have done. So yes, I, I do preach from the Bible, but it is not the only thing that I use. And then again, when you do go through the different, I'll use Sodom and Gomorrah because that's the one thing everybody loves to use against <laughs> homosexuality. Men and women came to know the angels. It didn't say men and women came to have sex with them. Problem with the word no was that it was used in that context. We want to know them. And then Lot said, let me send out my two daughters. They have never known a man. So automatically you're thinking, wait a minute, they wanted to know them. Oh my gosh, they wanted to know them. There are men in prison who are known by other men. They use rape as a form of leadership to, you know, say this is, you know, I'm over you. And right, like that- dominance. Right. Exactly. And the same thing was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah at that time, which is why you see later on in the Bible that in Ezekiel and even again in the New Testament, when it says don't be like your sister Sodom, it isn't saying don't be gay. It's saying don't be as cruel as these people were. And that's what um, people really need to take out of the story is the type of people that they were. Because if you look at it and then look at what's going on around the world today, we're really close to being those people. Okay, so... Really, when I think about homosexuality in the Bible and and the verses that people use to clobber LGBT people with it is, I believe it's Leviticus where it says a man should not lie with a man as he does with a woman, right? Which clearly says to me that the, I think it goes on to say that, you know, they they shall be put to death or something like that Mm -hmm. and and their blood will be on their own heads, I believe. I'm close. I know I'm not hitting it exactly. I don't have my Bible open in front of me. Um, So I'm sure I missed the wording exactly but that's roughly what it says. It is roughly what it says. And again, taking that into the context of what's going on at that time, Leviticus was written as a set of rules, um, mainly for priests, because, um, and again, still like now, people, they go the straight and narrow, and then they veer off and go their own way. And at that time, it was okay to have sex with priests because it was supposed to make you feel closer to God. And that was whether you were female or male. They had a lot of sexual, sexual religious rituals that they were doing. The other thing, um, it doesn't say for a man, not to fall in love with another man. It says not to lay with another man as you lay with with a woman. And a lot of men who were married to women were laying with other men. That wasn't good then. It's not good now either. But there's never one point that says don't love. It never says don't love. In fact, that's the complete opposite. The entire Bible tells you love, 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 love. And it never says don't love. So even with that that passage, and that's in Leviticus 19, he's, he's not saying don't love another man. And I've heard other lesbians going, well, he didn't say don't don't lay with another woman as you lay with a man. So we're <laughs> right. clear. Yeah, um, fair enough. <laughs> so is what you're saying, let me let me uh, see if I am clear. Are you saying that there the condition or the qualifying word there is as you would with a woman, right? Uh, so does that mean, I, I, I guess that's some sort of qualifier not to say you don't lay with a man. I just, it seems like you're trying to qualify that statement in Leviticus, but I don't understand the, the, the qualification, how that makes it different. If you could clear that up maybe a little bit. Certainly. What I mean by that is that God did not want the man to go from a woman's bed and then into an, a man's bed and vice versa, back and forth. That that's He, he never wanted that. And of okay. course, he still doesn't want that. It just does not state not to be a homosexual, not to love. I feel like I put 
put you on the spot a little bit, so I don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts at the same time. <laughs> sure, f- feel free. I can cut out if you need to think. Go ahead and think. I, it's easy to cut out dead air. Uh, so feel free to let the silence hang while you think. That's not a problem. Don't feel the pressure to rush this out because when I edit this later, cutting out silence is super easy. So <laughs> okay, feel free to think as long as you need to. I I know I kind of dropped these questions about the Bible on you because they weren't in the pre-interview. So. Feel and free to think as fine. long as you need no, to. No, those are questions that people ask. They really are. Those are questions that are, that are always brought up, um, which is the only reason why I know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So I guess the what if I can clarify what you're saying is is to not go from a woman's bed to a man's bed is, is what Leviticus is talking about. To not treat- and to not have um, not to have religious sex because that's what that's what all of it was actually based around was the religious sex. Um, which is why there are other rules, you know, related in there, and they were mainly for the priest. You mean religious sex, like with the priest, or I don't know what religious sex. Yes, is. I'm sorry. Yes, with the priest, because okay. at that time they thought that having sex with the priest meant that they could be closer to God. When that's just ridiculous. Okay. But, okay. So that just so what you're talking about there is the Leviticus 19 was a rules for the priest, so that the priest should not do these things. It was for everyone to not do them, and, and to not do them with the priest, of course, but. You know, Leviticus also had a lot of other set rules. The biggest problem I have with that particular book of the Bible and when people use it um, is that the other rules that are that are there, they don't seem to apply. We only yeah. pull out the one. Right. They cherry pick that part. I have a big problem with that, too, because I know also in Leviticus, uh, he says you shouldn't eat shellfish and love crab. <laughs> right. Wearing fabrics uh, or wearing clothes of two different fabrics. I think there was something about wearing women wearing gold jewelry. Yes. Um. There's I can't remember them all right now, but there was like 20 other things that Leviticus also bans that no one ever mentions. Right. No one's out there protesting red lobster. And no one's out there protesting department stores because they sell a cotton wool blend of clothes. Or no one's protesting farmers because they sowed two different kinds of seeds in the same field. Or whatever else Leviticus bans. And I find, I, I always point that out. I'm like, you realize Leviticus also bans these things in the very same chapter and verses as the one about homosexuality. But no one ever brings that up. And that's usually what I bring up to people who try to use the Bible as a justification for clobbering LGBT people because they're gay or, or homosexual or transgender. Uh, usually when they, if you do that, they'll turn around and say, oh yes, but in the New Testament, God said those things were okay. Oh, right. Yeah. So well, we don't have to name, listen to he didn't that name anymore. them specifically. He didn't go, okay, well now you can't have shrimp for dinner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. I was just trying to see where you kind of, how you used God around that in the, in the Bible. Uh, I, I hate to say the words God around it, but how you make sense of that so that it, it meshes with your identity as well as your faith. To me, it still doesn't quite make sense, but I just wanted to see where you were coming from. And I think I understand. Yeah. And so I think that you have a pretty good explanation. I think that that serves well for most people um, who still maintain their faith, even though they're gay or transgender. And so you also said that the other pastor that you co-pastor with, he is also gay? He is. Um, he and his husband have been married um, almost two years now. Okay. And so you guys, he was he there before you or did you start this church? Did you guys build this church up from the ground or was it already there and you kind of came in later or how did that, how did you get in there? Right. 
Um, well, he had built, he and his husband actually built the church on their own. I was co-pastoring a church with my mentor and his wife due to her health issues, Thing, different things happened. And, um, and because of the location of our church and that mainly our church was built uh, with um, military personnel, and we all know military come and go, that particular church, when his wife got really ill, we, we closed that church. And then at that time, I thought, well, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to actually be up front anymore. I want to just be, I just want to be in, in the, um, in the sanctuary and learn. That's all I want to do. So let's find a church. And we, we tried several different churches. One or two were, were very accepting for us. Um, Others compared our relationship to prostitution, which I'm still trying to figure out how that one came along. And these were pastors that I was speaking with. I didn't tell them that I was a pastor. I just asked, you know, if they would be, um, they would be open to the two of us coming to church because we, we are very spiritual and, and we wanted to continue going. Yeah. So Um, what you were doing, let me clarify just so I have a handle on what you're saying. So what you were doing is after your church, your first church closed down because the other person's spouse got sick. Is that right? Yes. And then, so you were going around to other churches to try and find, to, to maintain that community and that faith, right? With your religion. And so you exactly. went around to other churches to see if they were accepting of you and being a lesbian. And they were right. telling you that it was akin to prostitution and, and things of that nature. So you were basically interviewing churches is what you were doing. Exactly. Exactly. Because obviously there aren't many churches that are, um, are you know, inclusive. Right. Uh, we just, li- I literally stumbled upon this church. Um, we knew the pastor from um, another relationship years ago and we went to visit literally that, that same Sunday. I said, I wanted to join. When I told him I wanted to join, he was ecstatic and said, yay, now I have a co-pastor. And I thought, no, that's not what I said. But <laughs> Um, you got voluntold for being co-pastor, I see. Well, you know, I I found over the years, if you tell God something that you're not going to do, he laughs. (laughs) Yeah, watch. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So that's good that you found, so you moved from into your new church and you started co-pastoring with this other pastor. And how long have you been doing that? Uh, We've been there over, this is now our second year, um, Tiffany and I's um, second year there with the church and the church literally just had their second anniversary. Oh, so he, he, that church was really new when you got there. Yes. Yes. He was just a few months old when we got there. Um, We didn't even know that it was, it was awesome. Okay. And you said that a lot of your congregation is, you know, you said everyone's welcome, which a lot of churches will say everyone's welcome. And I think Mm -hmm. I imagine even some of the, the churches that you went to that said that you weren't kind of welcome because you were a lesbian would also say that everyone's welcome. Oh, yeah. Of course. So you said that your church, everyone's welcome, and you even included that you had some parishioners who are LGBT. Is that correct? We do. Okay. And you also have straight and cisgender people in your congregation as well. We do. Okay. We've even had a homeless person walk in off the streets and sit down within the congregation and be made to feel just as if they were there all along. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. I had never, if I ever find myself in North Carolina, I will definitely have to swing by on a Sunday and see your church. Uh, oh, definitely. I, we're we're not anything. I can't even say that we're normal. Our, <laughs> we our, go, I, I've preached in shorts before. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> are atheists welcome? I have no problem with atheists. I have a lot of friends who are atheists. Right. Um, but I mean, but are they welcome to come in your church? Of course. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> of course they're welcome. Okay. We're I'm not going to be hung or burn at the stake or anything, right? <laughs> I don't think that we have any stakes. And if we do, we're going to grill them. <laughs> 
Okay, well, if I'm ever in North Carolina, uh, around the Fayetteville area again, uh, I used to actually go out to Fort Bragg. I was at Pope for a while. Um, oh, awesome. Uh, but they closed Pope down. Yes, and, they did. Yeah, so I don't go there anymore. But if I ever happen to find myself in that area uh, on a Sunday, I will definitely try to reach out to you and see if I can swing by for a, for a service. That would be great. All right. So let's see if we can go back now to the beginning. So I, I, that, I really had to get that question out about, <laughs> I wanted to know how you reconciled your faith and your sexual identity. So let's go back. So you said that you were five years old when you first had a crush on your friend. Yes. When you played house, you wanted to be the daddy. Now, some people might see, view that as you wanting to be a man or transgender, but you said that, yeah, that was you were just no. using the framework of what you knew. <laughs> there was one mom, one dad, and so you liked the girl. So that kind of put you in the dad position, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I but, like being a girl. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to make sure I, I get a good grip of where you're at and, and, and sharing that with the listener. So... As you were growing up, after you had this first kind of experience, you know, around the age of five where you had a crush on your friend, what about growing up through school when you kind of reached maybe the puberty age and you started to really come into your sexual maturity? How did that come about? Did you start dating girls in high school or were you still in the closet or how did that go down? I was terrified. I was pure terrified. That was when, you know, you first start gym and you have to shower and change. My only thought was, okay, I have to do everything behind this curtain because if I get caught staring at another girl, they're going to kill me. Yeah, I, I I was very closeted. And part of that, other people have said, you know, their parents knew all along. I'm pretty sure my mom always knew because she would always make comments on two women just can't live together. It just doesn't work that way. So I kept that in my head as well. Um, I never tried to come out to any girl in school. In fact, later when I was an adult, I ran into so many of my schoolmates and found out, well, golly, you know what? We could have dated, but... um, You're like, dang, missed opportunity. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Now I'm older and I'm just not into you, but... um... But no, during during um, junior high and even high school, I stayed so very far into the closet that um, I, I really thought the only thing that I could do was, you know, I knew I wanted children. I always knew I wanted children. And I figured the only way I was ever going to do that was, you know, like the mainstream society, get married, have children, picket fence, all that good thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. So let me, me let me make sure I understand. So you knew that you wanted to have children and yes. you knew that you were a lesbian and in order to have children, you had to get married. I, I guess it maybe at that time it wasn't affordable or well known about any sort of in vitro or anything. Right. In vitro wasn't something that really was talked about until I think maybe I was in my 20s. And by then I had the children. So <laughs> Okay. And so you got married knowing full well you were a lesbian. I did. Okay. And when you got married, did you disclose that to your husband or... Somewhere in our marriage, um, early in our marriage, the uh, the discussion came up, and um, and, and yes, and and at that time, I said, well, I think I'm bisexual, and um, was that just to soften the blow, maybe? I think it was actually to soften the blow for myself. Okay. And not so much for him, but for me to say, okay, let me ease into it myself. Okay. I thought that would be more acceptable. Actually, it isn't. Gay people don't seem to like bisexuals. I'm not really sure why. Yeah, (laughs) I know know that it it can go, it can kind of be extreme either way. Some people think like being bisexual is the better of the two because 
kind of get to have more sexual partners and such. And so and then other people think that they are, you know, like greedy or pick a side. Right. You know, like, hey, come on, make up your mind kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, I don't I don't I don't hold that view. I think that uh, I've come to realize that I think sexuality is more fluid than people understand. And I agree. And that over time or even just some people are just more willing to go either way than others. And I was just having this conversation the other day that, you know, we should stop looking at sexuality as black and white, straight or gay and Mm -hmm. look at it as a, you know, you may have black on one end and white on the other end being straight or gay on either side. And then there's all these shades of gray in the middle where someone will fall in. And then I even said, and it may not even be there. You may fall right in the middle between black and white and be the most bisexual of bisexuals, but it doesn't mean that it has to (laughs) stay there. It can move and be fluid back and forth. And so when you told your husband that you were bisexual, I would guess that that probably didn't go over well. My ex and I, we were great friends before we got married, which we should have stayed because we were better friends than we ever were husband and wife. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago, but you know, even um, till that day, he and I were best friends. So coming out to him wasn't really that bad. Okay. Um, he just simply said, okay, you know, you need to live your life. You really do. We divorced not because of that, but because we just were not made to be together at all. Um, sure. And like I said, we stayed best friends. When I did decide to come out to my family, he went with me to tell them what was going on. Wow, that's really cool. So that he I wouldn't took me to my first gay club. Did he really? Wow. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> well, that's... he was an awesome guy. Well, good for him, man. That's I mean, as far as husbands can get as being supportive, I don't think you could find a more supportive husband than that. <laughs> I told you, he was my best friend. He was awesome. Yeah. Uh, when I went to tell my parents, my dad assumed that we were coming to say we we're getting back together, and he goes, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> Like, nope, you got it all wrong. Exactly. I don't think he was ready for what came. (laughs) Okay, so when so let's cover that for a little bit, because that's was where I was going anyways, was when you came out to your parents, how old were you roughly when this happened in your 20s, mid 20s? I was late 20s. Okay. And when you came out to your parents with your was he still your husband at that time? No, he was my ex. Okay, so you guys. Oh, right. Because you said your dad was thinking you were getting back together, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So how did that go when you came out to your parents? Was it a kind of a big argument? Were they angry with you? Did they I, um, damn you to hell or anything? <laughs> I mean, so I just I want to hear about that experience. So please share. Right. I honestly, when I when I talk to some other people, I feel really guilty how my experience came, you know, how my experience ended up being because it was really good. Um, and my dad never, never gave a comment one way or another. So honestly, till the day he, he died, the only thing I know is that he loved me. He never said me. one way or another how he felt about it. Both my stepmother and my mother said the exact same thing. Oh, I kind of thought something was going on when you were 18, but I thought that was a phase. So I didn't think about it anymore. I'm like, really? You could have just said something. I could have avoided all these years and yeah. just, you know. Yeah. It's really unfortunate to hear. Uh, let me interrupt you. But it is really a, a unfortunate to hear when people find out that their parents were so supportive years yeah. later. And you're like, <laughs> I lived in that closet. For 10 years, and I was always afraid to come out to you, right? And so I I can understand, you know, you're feeling like you wasted 10 years of when you could have been yourself instead of hiding in the closet. So I can imagine. Exactly. You're like, why didn't you tell me so many years ago? Yeah, so I understand. So. 
Please continue. My brother was just like, cool, okay. Now, at the same time, I was coming out to my children as well. Okay. Um, and how old were they when you were doing this? Oh, gosh. R- uh, roughly. I don't need their exact ages. <laughs> were they teenagers? I, were they, they, you know, preteens? They were, had a mix of preteen and going into teen at that time. Okay. My, my oldest, my son, he's always my rock. He was simply, whatever makes you happy. You know, if you're happy, I'm happy. We're good to go. My youngest was like, oh, wow. You know that boy I like in school? He's got two dads. Um, nice. <laughs> my middle child said that I was a freak, that everybody Ouch. I knew was a freak, that I would be damned to hell, and that she didn't want to have anything to do with me. Wow. And does she still feel that way? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> she hasn't called me a freak. Not sure if she still damns me to hell, but our relationship is a very strained relationship. Well, that's um, really unfortunate. It really is. Um, she uh, She'll invite us to her home. And she introduces me, of course, as her mom and that Tiffany is my friend, but she's not warm to us. She she doesn't come to visit us at all. So it's if I could maybe try to interpret what you're saying is it's more of an obligatory thing, not that she wants you there, but that she you have to be there because you're exactly it yes. feels more like an obligation than something she wants to do. Exactly. It's yeah. um, going to her home and going to my youngest home is a complete opposite of each other. Just complete opposite. My youngest, you know, she's, of course, my baby, but she was very accepting. And um, she wasn't crazy about the relationship when we first, when Tiffany and I first started dating. And I don't think that it was anything to do with um, it being a lesbian relationship. I'm not sure. Of course, you know, it's now eight years later. And I guess she figures, well, no one's going anywhere. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> she, you know, um, So sort of like a, you're not my real mom. <laughs> She's yeah, she's pretty good. No, she loves Tiffany and and I know that she's she trusts us and we have her children in our house. So yeah. So I guess let me I'd like to talk a little bit more about your daughter. That's your middle daughter that's not really accepting mm-hmm. of you. She does the kind of she lets you come over sort of out of obligation and stuff. Right. Or, or at least maybe it feels that way. I don't want to put the intentions in her uh words in her mouth like that, but that's right. how it feels for you. That's um, how it feels. So how do you think she reached that conclusion? Because usually, in my opinion, when people have that sort of reaction, it's generally speaking because they were raised to understand that people who are gay or lesbian or transgender are some sort of deviant or sinner or whatever the thing is, but they're made to look, be, you know, viewed as in a negative light. And I can imagine that if you were a lesbian and you knew it and you and your husband after you had them probably didn't give off that message to your children that, hey, you know, we should damn gay people to hell and da 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 da. Exactly. So how how do you think she reached that conclusion or how do you think she reached that viewpoint? Yeah, the problem is that I gave my kids free will as well. (laughs) No, um, honestly, I think at at that time she was becoming really close to a family that lived behind us. She was babysitting um, their children. She really liked the parents a lot to the point of, um, you know, years years later now she even calls um, the lady mom. I don't want to say that they were the influence on her, but, you know, as you said, my children were not brought up in a house that 
condemned anybody. In fact, not only were they made to accept people of uh, different sexualities, I'm, I'm born from an interracial couple. So we, we know we always had someone from, you know, another race or another country around us as well. So, you know, just in general, we were not prejudiced against anyone and gave that across to the children. I don't, I think it's mainly that she felt so personal on that because she's okay if, if she's introduced to another gay person or even a transgendered person, she's very polite. I can't tell if it's a fake, you know, a false politeness that she just doesn't want to be rude because um, I, I don't know of any friends that she has that are gay or lesbian or even transgendered. But um, I think for her, it was a personal thing and she didn't, she didn't want to be embarrassed. She was just becoming the teenage girl, didn't want to be embarrassed by her parents. Yeah. Um, like, oh, great. My mom's gay. You know, everyone's going to think I'm gay or something like that. Right. Yes. And, and the social pressures of school and, and exactly. other, you know, right. The feeling the need to fit in and things like that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, 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 man, that's really unfortunate to hear that uh, all of your kids are pretty accepting, except for the one. Uh, I hope it comes. I hope she comes around, and I hope as time goes on, it gets better for you guys. I, I really hate. I really hate to hear things about families being, you know, having this kind of strife over something that to me is so minor. It, it seems uh, ridiculous at some point to to hate someone because of who they are attracted to or who they love, and it seems it just it boggles my mind that people could treat another person in a negative way simply for who they love it just it's weird to me and you know I've had my own evolution of that opinion um, from my time in college and and where I was before that so I kind of understand where they're coming from but now it seems ridiculous it just seems silly and I don't mean to put anyone down who does feel that way I just from my point of view from where I see it it just seems like such an insignificant thing to be upset about uh, about who someone else loves and who they want to spend their life with and and then to be angry at them for that I understand yeah oh, like I told her you know I'm your mom I love you unconditionally I tell her good morning every morning just like I do the other two and I pray for all three of my children and of course you know I pray that her and my relationship will eventually you know change I'm not saying that it won't I have hopes that it will she does say good morning back a lot of times so you know, there's always hope okay well that's good I hope that uh, I hope it that it gets better over time and that eventually you guys can have the relationship that you would really like to have so I, I wish you guys the best and I hope it goes well in the future thank you so let's move on to well normally I move on to your work and about your friends and co-workers that you work with but you work in a church and most of i have another job as well oh do you i do okay and are you out at work I'm, i've been out since i've been out <laughs> okay but what i mean is i mean i i'm sure no, i mean you, i'm out everywhere yeah but i'm sure yeah. you don't like walk into a room and go i'm joe the lesbian right like you don't you it, know and i keep saying i'm gonna have to make myself a sign that says that <laughs> that way i can just avoid everything else yeah i am joe i'm a lesbian oh and by the way i'm a reverend yeah um, right you need an introduction card to hang around your exactly. neck exactly right? yeah. um i introduced myself the way pretty much everybody else introduces themselves uh, um, when you first meet someone you know you know of course it's the you know, hi I'm, I'm my name is Javanka I like to be called Joe because it's a lot easier yeah and when you start talking about your home life um, you know mine is no different than anybody else's um, you know, we both have jobs I don't like going grocery shopping she does I cook she doesn't as much 
we both pay the bills and, you know, different things like that. So when, you know, a coworker and I who are just meeting are talking about our lives instead of the word he, I say she, and depending on that person will depend on how the rest of the conversation goes. And I, I, again, I really sometimes feel guilty because I don't have yeah. <laughs> the problems other people do. Um, I, I get the, oh, okays. And just, just keep on talking about whatever it is that we're talking about. Or, and, you know, I guess because I don't make it so forefront, it's, you know, my life is just like your life. Um, so it's not the oh. first thing you introduce into your no. conversation. You let that kind of come out naturally and casually. And, and then people, usually I find that when you disclose something like that, if you don't make a big deal about it, other people don't really make a big deal about it. You kind of, you know, if you're not like, okay, you may want to have a seat for this kind of thing. If you don't make <laughs> some sort of grandiose announcement, like it's some shock, if you kind of just keep it casual and in conversation, generally people will react pretty casually and non, you know. They do. Yeah, they do. So, so of course, no, I have had the little sprinkling of the I don't believe in that. I'm not really sure what the I I know what they mean when they say I don't believe in it. Right. But yeah. I, like I, when you when you hear that, I don't believe it's like, oh, gay people don't exist kind of thing. I know. It's right. that little like I don't believe in unicorns goes, and Bigfoot. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that little devil in me comes in then like, what do you mean you don't believe in it? It's real. Yeah, it's not Santa Claus. Right. <laughs> But so, but you know where they're coming from, right? Like, I don't, I do, I don't agree with it is really what they're saying, right? I do. Yeah. And, it, you know, and I can still, I don't feel like I have to shut them out of my life because they don't agree with my lifestyle um, yeah. because we can still be friends and not agree. <laughs> right. So have you ever had conversations with people where you, they maybe were, maybe just instead of being like, well, I don't really agree with it, but they were a little more aggressive about it. Like, oh, you're going to hell kind of thing. Do you have those conversations? Do you have a memorable one in which you maybe got someone to see it in a better light or that they, you know, it just was so horribly bad that you, they wouldn't budge at all. Yeah. I really wish I could say that um, they came into a better light, but no, that, that did not happen. Tell me about that. What was that conversation like? My, my daughter had a, um, had a friend and this was in high school and her friend identified as a lesbian and she wanted to come out to her her parents. And when she did, it was just devastating. And so my daughter was like, mom, could you please go talk to her dad? And I'm like, okay. And so I went over and I didn't tell him that I'm a lesbian. Yeah, I wanted to just talk to him as parents. And he he literally dusted off his Bible. I mean, when I say literally, he literally was dusting the Bible while he was explaining to me why God does not agree with this. And I thought, oh, my God, please don't do this. <laughs> um, this is not this conversation is not going to go well. Yeah. But um, were you a pastor at that time still? No, I wasn't. I wasn't a pastor at the time. OK, um, but it still <laughs> it kills me when people do that. And talking with him, you know, I said, well, I don't explain to me what upsets you so much about it. And he just really couldn't explain other than saying, you know, this is something that God doesn't agree with, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, so are you telling me, and honestly, the conversation got this bad. I said, are you telling me that you'd rather your daughter screw the entire football team, get pregnant by every single one of them than be a lesbian? And he said, yes. As long as they were all boys, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, I said, so, uh, and I didn't mean, because uh, at the time, I, I think I've made my own daughter feel bad because she she did get pregnant in high school with her son, her and her husband, um, you know, things happen. Yeah. And I 
And I did say, so you'd rather your daughter be a teenage mom than be a lesbian. Oh, so you kind of cast that in a negative. Frame. I did. And, and yeah. I did go back later and tell my daughter, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to sound like it did. You were trying to get into his framework and in his exactly view, Right. But the problem was that he wouldn't have minded if she was a teenage mom. She wouldn't have, he wouldn't have minded had she had had sex with the entire football team as long as she was not a lesbian. And I'm like, wow, okay. I can't wrap my head around this. I've got to leave before I say things that I can't take back. Yeah. So that that definitely didn't end well, I'm sure. That definitely did not end well at all. Are you still in contact with that girl? Do you know her still or was that? I, I do. I'm, um, Facebook is an awesome thing. <laughs> it is. It lets you keep in contact with a lot of people. It does. It keeps you in contact with people you want and people you don't want, but yeah. um, with people that you just haven't spoken to in years. And she is, um, she is now happily married with children of her own. And I didn't ask how that came about. Yeah. It's not my business. <laughs> right. But okay, so she's married to a man. She is married to a man. Okay. Um, I, I do know that somewhere along the line that when she had her first daughter, she was with a woman. Okay. But okay, but she's happy now and everything is exactly. going as good as can be expected, right? Yes. Well, that's good. I mean, as long as she's happy, who cares who she loves, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's good. I'm glad it had a happy-ish ending. True. Maybe her dad is happy now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So, but you don't really have many negative experiences of when you disclose to someone that you were a lesbian that you not really um and and i think it's just because of the way i come across it's not you know it's not a dun dun dum and it's not a you know hey you got to accept me whether you like it or not not that type of thing either um i i don't want to say that i don't care how another person feels but it's not how they feel is not going to dictate my day you're not going to let it make a big difference in your life no i know i've said this in church before I, I, there's two things I know. I know I'm a lesbian and I know Jesus loves me. That's all I need to know. <laughs> there you go. That's good. So I want to get back to your church for a little bit because you guys said that you have several uh, members of your congregation who are gay or transgender and, and you're yes. both you and the other co-pastor are gay. Do you guys do any sort of outreach for the LGBT community at all? Or is it just general outreach, you know, maybe for homeless people or what kind of outreach do you do um, in your church? Um, right now, the main focus of our outreach has been to um, the homeless people. We've we've gotten um, several members have come together with donations of um, non-parish foods so that we can have something on hand at all times to be able to give out to anyone who may come by. Where our church is located is close to the center of where there are so many homeless people. So we we are reaching out to homeless. We honestly don't care about your sexuality. That's not our, our focus. It just happened that it was a gay pastor to start a church where mainly the LGBT community um, come together. They, we just want it that when a person walks to the door, they feel comfortable, no matter what, yeah. that you're comfortable and that you want to come back again. I have a friend who is transgender and she's pre-op. And I met her several years ago. And that's one of the things that was always bothering her was to be accepted just for who she is, even though she's pre-op. And when she first visited our church, I could tell right away that she was comfortable because she um, she's very restrained mm-hmm. and she wasn't being restrained then. She was just being very open. Afterwards, she was talking with people and just very comfortable. And later, the only thing that she said to me was, I didn't want to raise my hands in worship because I was afraid the people behind me wouldn't be able to see anything. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a girl, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So 
So mainly your outreach is to the homeless people in your community. Right now, that's what our, our focus has been. Of course, we want more more parishioners, but we've realized, um, you know, when you have a church that is truly accepting of anybody and everybody, people will come. And it doesn't matter, you know, where they're coming from, just that they will come. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, it's definitely good to hear. And um, I definitely, if I am in the area on a Sunday, I will definitely come by and check it out. I want to put that to the test, per se. Definitely. Do that. Do that. <laughs> okay. We don't so, mind being tested. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of the things I like to end the show with uh, before we start closing out is tell me something that worries you about the future as an LGBT person or for LGBT people. Is there a concern that you, that worries you when you look down the road that mm, this kind of gives me some concern? Yes. Um, had you asked that question a year ago, even a few more months ago, I probably would have said, no, everything looks bright. I'm having to wear shades. Tiffany and I and so many of the LGBT community before us, you know, we we've been in rallies. We've we've held the poster signs. We my crying moment was after equality of marriage was you know spread across the United States was to see this teenage couple at a putt putt holding hands and kissing. And I looked at Tiffany and I go, you know, we did that. It's yeah. because of what we did and the people before us that that was able to happen. Now I don't want to spread rumors that are not true. Um, so I, I I'm not going to give numbers, but when the current administration came into play, there were a lot of uh, the LGBT youth that that either thought of taking their lives or actually did because they were afraid of what's going to happen next. That scares me the most. I'm not afraid for myself or or Tiffany. You know, we we've been here before the equality. You know, we unfortunately because of um, of where she works, I'm her roommate and have been for the last eight years. Sure. Um, so we know how we know how that is, and we know that we can continue like that if we had to. But we've given so much hope to those coming up, to those who are, are just now being told, you know, it's okay to come out of that closet. It's safe. Only to now, I can't tell them it's safe anymore. I don't yeah. know if it's going to be safe for them. Yeah, I know um, after the current president, President Trump was elected that I know I was personally worried. I tried not to overreact. I know it was easy for people to see the conflict with LGBT people and the, and the Trump administration. Maybe not so much Trump. I haven't, except for the recent executive order about the transgender, transgender bathrooms. Yeah. A, 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 with barring that exception, I hadn't really heard him say anything one way or the other about LGBT people in general. And so I tried to make sure that I didn't overreact and that I didn't, you know, jump to any sort of conclusion. However, there are people in his administration like Mike Pence and Betsy DeVos and some of the other people that he has appointed that I have a history and a track record of being, I don't want to say maybe, well, I guess you could say anti-LGBT, but at least... Not all of them are anti in the way that they want to extinguish it, but that maybe they want to keep it out of the main areas of our society, right? They right. don't, right? They don't want it to be accepted. They still want those people to live in the closet, kind of thing. So I can definitely understand. I tried very hard not to overreact. I said, okay, let's let's see where he goes. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't said anything yet. So I tried to make sure that I may, I kept a level head and a reasoned response. And up until that executive order came out, I'm like, oh, I think we got something to worry about now. And so I was definitely disappointed to hear that. 
Um, I hope that they come around and they realize, you know, that gay and transgender people are not trying to hurt anyone. They're not trying to go into the bathrooms and, and peep over the stalls at you. They just want to go in and use the bathroom like everyone else wants to go in <laughs> to use the bathroom. And that if someone has the intent to go in and hurt someone in the bathroom, they're going to do that in either the men's room or the ladies' room. It doesn't matter what room they go into. Um, that is very true. And so I hope that they come around soon and I hope they realize that the big mistake that they made. Um, so I can definitely understand and identify with your concern for the future. I'm more worried for my friend to have to go into a men's bathroom for what would happen to her in there. At least going into the women's bathroom with me, someone will go, oh my God, you, she's so either, they're either going to say, oh, she's ugly or, you know, try to question, is she a man? Is she a woman? But if she went into a men's room, most definitely she will get hurt. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree that there's probably a greater risk of a, a male to female person going into the men's room and getting assaulted. There's probably a greater risk of that happening than a male to female person going into a female bathroom and getting assaulted. They might get yelled at or or shamed or whatever, but they wouldn't generally be speaking be physically attacked. Um I think yeah. that men might be more uh, apt to violence against a transgender person in the men's room than they would in the ladies room. I agree. Yeah. And that's that scares me and it scares me for um it, it just really scares me for the younger generation to think, "Oh my god, what are we going to do now?" I can definitely understand how it, it can feel that you've told people, okay, it's safe to come out, you know, be who you are. The world is more accepting. And then when something like this happens and we take a step back, you're just like, oh man, now I, <laughs> what can I say to those people that I told to come out? And, you know, so I can definitely understand where you're coming from with that. So let's get away from the doom and gloom stuff. Let's be a little more positive and tell me something that makes you hopeful for the future of LGBT people. What can you look towards down the road and, and think? okay, this is a really good thing that we should work towards and I'm really hopeful that this comes about or anything like that, something positive. Positive, um, you know, it's the it's the generations that are behind us right now, the ones that are in college, the ones that are in high school, the ones who have just graduated college, they're so open. Um, their, their mindset is completely different than even my own generation, definitely the ones that are, you know, older than I am. They're, um, they're more accepting of people. They seem to understand people a lot better than, than we do even. Um, they've taken the time to not just get to know them as their neighbor, but get to know them as a friend. So for me, the future looks bright because of these young people coming up, they're like, you know, you guys have done it wrong for so many years. We're we're just not crazy like you people are. <laughs> <laughs> so just, uh, if I could. The ones that are like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So if I could reword that, one of my previous guests said that, you know, th that as you as society in general becomes more accepting, that's the harder part to put back and move backwards. You know, as society as a whole becomes more accepting of LGBT people, while the government and the administration's view may change, the view of the public over time is a lot harder to reverse as more and more people are faced with better examples of LGBT people, positive and show that they are constructive and law-abiding and and a benefit to society just as much as anyone else that as right. that view in public the as the public view changes it's harder to move that backwards it really is it really is and especially you know you see so many of their families now they're adopting or they're they're getting surrogate um, mothers and you just see so many families it is the um the last pride parade that tiffany and i went to um, there were so many families and it was just so heartwarming to see that and my yeah. thought was gosh i could have had it like that yeah <laughs> but 
to know that, you know, they're out there and, and their children are fighting. You know, mm-hmm. my children are fighting for equality for everybody else as well. Yeah. You know, they, they had the choice to stay single or get married and they chose to get married. <laughs> well, I have a, I have a show coming up. My cousin is a lesbian as well. And she is going to let me interview her and her fiance's children, their four children. And it's kind of, it's going to be this angle of, you know, what's it like to have two mommies kind of thing? And how does that make you feel? Right. I want to get it from the kid's perspective, right. And, yeah. and see what kind of reactions they get from other people when they, when other people or their friends or other people they know find out that they have two moms. I'd definitely be interested in seeing that perspective. So I'm really excited for that show coming up and I hope it's going to be a really positive one. I'd like to see the kids being uh, really happy and excited that their moms care about them and love them and be a good example. Oh, for, I'm sure it's going to be positive. Yeah, so I'm really excited for that show. I had to put them off down the road. I already had some other interviews scheduled. So I'm like, oh man, I would really love to do that show, but I've already got people lined up. So we'll have to do that interview sometime at the end of March or something like that. So it's coming up. It'll be coming out, you know, down the road, but I'm really excited for that show. The great thing about kids, they just care if you love them. That's all. That's all they care about. They don't care if it's two men, two women, man and a woman. As long as you love them, they're happy. Yeah. And and most research, you know, good scientific, psychological or societal research shows that the more important thing is that you have two parents who love and care for you. Right. Than two parents who don't or one parent. It, it doesn't matter that there are two women or two men or whatever, but kids become healthier and more productive members of society when they have two parents who care about them. Sex is a non-issue whether you have two moms or two dads. The important thing is that you have two parents who care for you and, and love you. And exactly. That, and that's exactly. how we can produce the most productive and healthy kids for our future. Exactly. So we're starting to wrap up here. Is there anything you want to share? If people wanted to visit your church, how would they find you? Um, if people wanted to email you or contact you, ask you questions about your church, maybe there's a question that I missed and someone listening says, oh, I'd really like to find out about her church in this way or want to know about her church in, in that way and, and ask the question, how can people uh, find your church? How can they get a hold of you? Uh, you don't have to share your email or your contact information if you don't want to, but you're more, please tell us how you could be reached. Certainly. Our church is at 328 Gillespie Street, Fedville, North Carolina. We, we do like to sleep in, so service starts at 10 ish. <laughs> I have to throw in that ish because there's some people that come in a little bit late, but um, to me, I have no problem giving out my email address. Um, <laughs> it's my first name, um, J-O-W-A-N-C-K-A at gmail.com. Yeah, I, I, I'm very open. I've never had a problem answering questions for anybody, whether it's good or bad, doesn't matter to me. Okay. And if some if someone liked your church and they want to support your church, how can they do that? Just come in and tithe and give their money, their 10% or uh, do you guys have, do they have any, is there any way to donate to your homelessness program specifically or how how can they support you guys? the, um, The other thing about me in particular, I don't think that tithing always has to be a monetary thing. Tithing can be of your time. It can be um, whatever it is. Um, if you come by our church at 328 Gillespie Street, church's name is Refresh. Okay. Uh, you can you can tithe your time, just spending time with, with anybody, whether it's an LGBT person um, or not, a homeless person there. We, in the mornings, we try to get coffee and little things made for anybody who might be dropping by to be able to feed and give them something to drink as well. Um, if you would like to tithe money, that, of course, 
goes great. We're, um, we haven't set the date yet, but we are planning to have a, a, a much larger outreach and have a cookout in front of the church. Hopefully, you know, anybody can stop in and eat and just you know, have an enjoyable time with us. As I said, right now, our main focus has been with uh, the homeless and, of course, you know, bringing anybody else in. If you know people in this area who want to go to church, want to know God, just been turned down so many different places, or we've even had our, we have one straight couple. They, they came in the last church they had gone to, the preacher had pointed out that she wasn't dressed the way he wanted her to be dressed. So they left that church. It's just strange how churches say, you know, we're welcoming and yet you're not wearing the right clothing. You didn't take a bath today, yeah. <laughs> you know, just different things. Um, we're open. We're, we're open to everybody and any help that you could um, give us, send us, send us your people. <laughs> <laughs> The only other thing that I did want to um, plug is we're part of, Tiffany and I are part of the um, LGBT Sandhills um, group as well. They're, um, they're a group that just meets up um, monthly with other LGBT people and do different things. But one of the things that I'm just so excited about is that they've also started a um, scholarship program for LGBT youth who are graduating high school and going into college. And right now they have a $10,000 scholarship for um, the LGBT, LGBT youth wow. to look them up and to um, see if you qualify for the scholarship. It's the Sand Hills LGBT Center, and they're actually located in Aberdeen, Pinehurst, North Carolina. Okay. If you send me a link to their website, if they okay, have do one, that. if you email me a link, I'll put it up on the Straight Up Gay Podcast website. Awesome. And if your church has a website, I will stick it up there as well. If you guys have an online presence, I will definitely put that as one of the links. Um, for people who are in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area who want to come by and they can always go to my page and find a link to your church and if that they Great. can learn more about it that way. I'll definitely put it up on the show page. Is there anything else? Do you have any other organizations that you partner with or are you guys looking to partner with any organizations in your area specifically for LGBT people um, who maybe have been ostracized from their church? I think oh, that, that would be great. Um, we we're always looking. We're always looking. Um, we don't have anybody else that right now that we're partnering with. Uh, I do know that uh, Pastor Rico, he's been trying to reach out in the Raleigh Durham area. You know, I just haven't sat down and discussed what it is he's been looking at there. But yes, we're always looking because people are being ostracized for whatever reason it is. Like I said, clothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, I definitely wouldn't be upset if you shared my show with your congregation and told people to listen and subscribe to the show. You have quite a captive I audience. I already have. Have you really? <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad that you've shared the show out. I hope that people really, I really just want to learn more about the LGBT community. You know, I'm a straight sister guy. And so this was kind of an experience for me to learn and share what I learned with other people so that we can be more inclusive and understanding that LGBT people aren't something that we need to ostracize from our society. And uh, I hope that I just put out a good product, a show that people want to listen to. And I have interesting guests like yourself. You are my first uh, religious pastor uh, who is also a lesbian or an LGBT person on the show. So I thought, oh, this would be a really interesting show. So I, <laughs> I couldn't wait to have it. And so I just wanted to thank you for sharing the show with your congregation and people that you run into. And I hope that if anyone's listening, they really enjoyed it. And please give me feedback. I want to hear more about, you know, what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, you know, suggestions to make it better. I'm very open to hearing your feedback. Uh, please, thank you for being here, Javanka. Uh, I 
I hope that one day I can make it by your church uh, and see what it's all about. It sounds like a really interesting and fun place. I used to go to church myself, and then when I left and I kind of deconverted and became an atheist, I just it's not for me these days, but I would definitely be interested in going to see your church and seeing how inclusive and accepting it is. So um, Awesome. I'll, if I am in the area, I will definitely come by and try to take a look, and I'll even try to—I we ha- we have our, your, I have your email and your contact information, so if I'm in the area, I'll give you a heads up that I'll try to swing by so that it's not, I just don't drop in unexpected. Great. Thank you. And um, so we're just going to wrap up here. I want to thank everyone for listening. You guys have been great listeners. Please give me your feedback. Um, I have several places you can reach out to me. And I just want everyone to know that as allies for LGBT people, we can make the world a better place. It's our job to stand up for those people when they're being ostracized and bullied. And that being a good, caring person is more important. And stand up for the people who are being downtrodden and oppressed. And that's the right thing to do. Look out for those people who can't look out for themselves and be a good ally to not just LGBT people, but anyone and everyone who is being oppressed or who is being hurt by another person. Uh, What matters most is that we care about each other and we look out for each other and help one another and love one another. Remember, if you want to contact me, you can always email me at at my email address, major at straightupgaypodcast.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at SUG Podcast. You can join me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash straightupgaypodcast, or you can just search on Facebook for Straight Up Gay Podcast and you can join our Facebook page. You can also find links to the show. We are listed in iTunes and Google Play. So if you want to find links to the shows where you can subscribe and listen, if you subscribe on the podcast, it will notify you every time there's a new show out so you don't have to constantly check in. It will automatically do that for you. But you can find those links on my blog page at www.straightupgaypodcast.com. I list all kinds of links to services for LGBT people that my other guests have put out. Um, So you can find any of the resources that people have shared on the show there. And some people have expressed to me that they've had problems listening to the show on Pinecast. I haven't personally seen any problems with it, but just in case, I've started to also upload the latest episodes on SoundCloud. So there's no backlog there because I only get so much space on SoundCloud, but the latest episodes will be out on SoundCloud. So if you want to go there, that is www.soundcloud.com slash major dash straight. And you can listen to the show on SoundCloud there. Remember, you can always reach out to me on the on the blog page. You can subscribe to the RSS feed so you get notified whenever I put a new blog post out. Javanka, thank you for being here. I will see everyone on the next episode of the Straight Up Gay Podcast, which will be episode 13. Take care now. Hi, Mom. I'm really scared right now, but I have to. At age 13, my mother knew I wasn't straight. She didn't understand, but she had so much to say. She sat me on the couch, looked me straight in my face, and said, You'll burn in hell or probably die of AIDS. It's funny now, but at 13, it was pain to be almost sure of who you are and have it ripped away. And I'm sorry if it's too real for some of you to fathom, but hate for who you love is not exactly what you'd imagine. Uh, And I guess it was disastrous, cause everything that happened afterwards was just madness. Locked away for two years to keep me on the inside, because she'd rather see a part of me die than me thrive. And it's tougher when it's something you can't deny, and ignorance teaches us it's something that you decide. You're driven by your choices, an optical illusion. Here's to understanding that it's not always confusion. And I can't change Even if I tried, even if I wanted to
in my school and I've seen kids hide behind walls and footballs and things like pride. I've seen innocent children suffer beneath bruises, suffer beneath every single hand that chooses. Ignorance, fuck your religion, fuck constitutions, fuck superstitions. There are no lakes of fire for here on earth and the only thing to do is put love first. And so I stand for the boy who died by his hand to the sound of his father screaming woman loves man. This is Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve And I stand for the girl with the cuts up her sleeve And a heart in her hand and that chip on her shoulder And I stand for it all until ignorance is over This is for you, for knowing who you are For never letting your magic outside of your heart Be you, be brave And understand that things do change I accept you for you when I don't understand And I love you for you, cause this is who I am Didn't understand. Now love me for me. This is who I am. Just don't get it. Love is love. There is no difference. Not a medication to fix it. There is no prescription. No rehab to visit. It is not an addiction. It's love. And it's selfless. It's yours and everybody else's. So don't badger and abuse the solemnly defenseless. See us as yourself. There's no equality and difference. Until we all get it, we'll be drowning in the same blood. Despite orientation, we all feel the same love. Drowning in the same blood Despite orientation We all feel the same love able to speak who we believe we are or who we dream will become like drum beats forever changing their rhythm I am living today as someone I had not yet become yesterday and tonight I'll only borrow pieces of who I am today to carry with me to tomorrow no I'm not gay no I'm not straight and I sure as hell I'm not bisexual damn it I am whoever I am when I am it loving whoever you are when the stars shine and whoever you'll be when the sun rises so here's to being able here's to love Here's to loving just because. Here's to acceptance. Here's to never fearing the fear of rejection. Here's to love and never neglecting who it is you feel you are. Here's to bullies because beatings cannot last forever. Here's to the moment that you realize things do get better. Here's to the parents who will get it when it's too late. Here's to second chances. Here's to new fate. Here's to every single moment you've ever had to hide you. Here's to the single star shining bright inside you, asking you to guide you. Here's to who you'll be when you've figured it all out. Here's to momentary doubt. Here's to feeling, because we all feel it the same. Here is to the moment that things will change. Cause 
Cause we all feel love, we all feel it the same It's love